0: Hey everyone, welcome back to Ascends Student Ministries Anchored Podcast. Today we find ourselves in John chapter 15, which reads, I am the true vine, and my Father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, He takes away, and every branch that does bear fruit, He prunes that it may bear more fruit. Already you are clean because of the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself, unless it abides in the vine. Neither can you, unless you abide in me. I am the vine, and you are the branches." By this my Father is glorified, that you bear much fruit, and so prove to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so have I loved you. Abide in my love. If you keep my commandments, you will abide in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commandments, and abide in His love. These things I have spoken to you, that my joy may be in you, and that your joy may be full. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. You are my friends if you do whatever I command you. If I had not come and spoken to them, they would not have been guilty of sin. But now they have no excuse for their sin. Whoever hates me hates my Father also. If I had not done among them the works that no one else did, they would not be guilty of sin. But now they have seen and hated both me and my Father. But the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. But when the Helper comes, whom I will send to you from the Father, the Spirit of truth who proceeds from the Father, he will bear witness about me. And you also will bear witness because you have been with me from the beginning. Today in John chapter 15, we're privileged to have Pastor Jeff with us. And so I chose Pastor Jeff to come speak to us on this chapter because even from the pulpit, I've heard him using the images that we see here in John chapter 15. So I know he's wrestled with this text, he's looked into it, and he's internalized it to himself. Such to a point that I think it's going to be a great blessing to us to reap the benefits of his own study of this chapter. So, Jeff, as you think about John chapter 15, how would you like to direct our thoughts today?
1: Well, Lee, it's great to be with you and your listeners. You know, John 15 is a passage that I've read and I've preached through and just most recently have really depended on to be able to make some changes in my own life. That I recognized that even though I was studying the Word and spending time with the Lord on a daily basis, I wasn't abiding with Him. And so you see that Word all throughout the opening verses of chapter 15.
0: So I'm going to stop you there because you've already said a word that I think we really need to stop and define because we don't use it. We don't use the imagery that we're going to see in this chapter, and we also don't usually use this word abide. So help us understand, what does abide mean?
1: Yeah, you're right. I don't use the word abide, and I haven't heard you use the word abide. You know, I think this is a great exercise for us when we study the Bible because the first question we should ask is, what does it mean? But then where we go from there is so important, and so many of us would want to take our own understanding of a word and apply that to the interpretation, or we might be tempted to go and find a dictionary and look up the word abide. But when you think about the Bible, it's an ancient text written many, many years ago to a group of people who... That was living at the time. So they had different contexts. They had different languages. And so we've got to bridge that. And so there's different tools that God has blessed us with in the 21st century to be able to bridge that gap. Some of them are a little bit more technical. Others of them are less technical. But the best source is if the text actually provides assistance. And thankfully, in John 15, we do have that assistance because Jesus uses an agricultural illustration. And so whether you are listening in an urban setting, whether you're listening in a rural setting, whether you have experience with agriculture or not, I think we can all grasp what Jesus is conveying. By just simply looking at his illustration of a branch or a vine and the actual trunk or the source. And that's where I begin to process and wrap my brain around what abide means. So, a couple things that stand out to me are that a branch is connected to the vine on a consistent basis. That means that it is constantly there. So just look for a plant around your house and you will see where there are branches and a main vine and you'll see it's there today. It's there tomorrow. You look at it any time of the day and it is consistently there. So I think consistency is one way we could define abide. But another one is it's dependent. So you don't see a whole lot of branches sitting out in the yard that are healthy apart from being connected to the vine so i think we have to remember that abiding means that we are dependent on christ on his word on communicating with the holy spirit through prayer for our own spiritual health so i think consistency i think that also the dependence but then i think also intentionality And that's really what I've been focusing on in my own life. And Leah, just being transparent with you and your listeners, I was studying the Word. I was praying on a daily basis, but it was more transactional than it was relational. And I think that's what Jesus is moving his disciples toward, is spending time with the God of the universe is not a religious exercise. It's a relational exercise dependency, necessity. And so what was happening to me as I was reading the Bible, reading my three chapters a day, spending time in prayer, but it was more just transactional, which is not abiding. And so where I've really changed is to be able to make sure that when I'm reading the Bible, I'm intentionally praying that God would show me no matter what passage it is, how it points me to Christ. That's been a great exercise and really making the scriptures come alive. As I pray, I'm first praying and reflecting on God's character, which I think is a relational exercise more than it is transactional, and then really just walking through what I've just read and reflecting on it, seeing how it actually impacts me and my thinking, and then moving from those two steps to really seeing what God has for me during the day ahead. To be able to grow to look more like christ grow in my affections toward him and i'm finding that even those three steps those three practical steps are moving my interactions with the god of the universe on a daily basis from being transactional to being relational and i'm already seeing fruit in that after having made that switch about two months ago and i think that's what jesus is talking about is abiding as a relationship being consistent dependent and relational and that's how we are able to get the nourishment that we need as disciples of jesus christ
0: jeff i really appreciate how you've framed this for us because as i look even at the rest of this chapter we get to the end and it talks about the hatred and the troubles of the world. And that's where a lot of us want to go to when we come to God. We come to God when we have a problem. We don't usually come to God when things are going great, but we pray when we have a problem. We seek his word, hopefully, when we have a problem, because we start to say, hey, I need something else. I can't do this by myself anymore. But he puts this whole conversation in terms of you're supposed to have this dependence, this relationship, and this consistency from me. And that will prepare you for what is coming, whatever that looks like. You will then know you're dependent upon me. You will understand the depths of grace and mercy that are there, the love, the discipline sometimes that is a part of what God's trying to do. And that will carry you through these trials and tribulations and hardships that you have. But we kind of do that backwards. And so I I appreciate how you've been genuine and authentic with us and helped us to see how important that is and how This transactional type of approach or this checkmark box to doing these things doesn't genuinely set us up for the life that God is desiring us to have to be victorious here as the individuals he's placed us in. I do have a question here, Jeff, I want to bring up because as I read this chapter and just things that I've experienced, I look down at verse 25 and it says here, but the word that is written in their law must be fulfilled. They hated me without a cause. And somebody might read that and think, you know, maybe there is a reason to hate God. And I've heard people say, you know, I believed in God up until this specific event happened in my life. Maybe it was my parents got divorced or I watched somebody struggle through cancer or this group of people that I trusted who was considered to be my closest friends betrayed me or turned away from me or decided that they didn't want to be a part of my life anymore. And so they deal with these situations and they say, No, this is my cause that now I can stake a claim in and say, God, I'm choosing not to follow you because you're not who you've said you've been. You're not holding true to what you've said about having my best interests and having what you've said you're going to do for me, that everything is good for me or whatever that other promises they want to hold on to that. They say, this is where I stake my claim that I have a just cause against you. So how would we unpack that? What can we look at to help us understand how God can be righteous in this situation?
1: You know, Lee, I love that you bring that up because I think every listener either has personally wrestled through that or has someone in their life that has wrestled through that. So even as you were asking that, I just have such compassion and empathy for everyone who is processing this question. And I I think, again, just like we did with the word abide, we've got to go through some specific steps that help us with this question and any tough question like this that we would ask of God and of the world and of Scripture, and that is learning from the Scripture itself. So that phrase, without a cause, is used twice in the Old Testament, probably more than that, but two that come to mind, Psalm 35 and Psalm 69, David is speaking in both of those psalms, and he was having a situation where, as he looked at life, he was looking to see if something was just or unjust. And the exercise that he did in both of those psalms was to lay aside his emotions, lay aside the horizontal circumstances, and just look at it from heaven's view. Look at it through the lenses of God's Word. And what he concluded uh, is that the people who hated him, were unjust. It was without a cause, and that exercise that David did, I think, is what Jesus is alluding to when he says that they hated him without a cause in John fifteen. And so, I think for us as you know, teenagers, if you've got teenagers listening, if you're a parent listening, for any of us, as we're processing, is there a time in our life? and circumstances so dire that we have a just cause to be angry with God or that God could potentially be unjust. The first exercise is to lay aside our emotions, lay aside the horizontal details, and go to Scripture. And the Scripture does speak about cancer, and people who die before a typical old age. The Bible does speak about parents who loved each other and then divorced. The Bible does provide principles for all of these circumstances that every one of us have or could potentially experience. And as we look at what Scripture says about all of that, as we're abiding in Christ, being consistent with Him, depending on Him, having a relationship with Him, and we're getting to know Him through His Word, we'll be able to work through no matter what difficulty, no matter what perceived unfairness we have in our life, and always answer the question, is God unjust, with a no always answer the question, do we have a legal case against God where we have a right to be angry against him with a resounding no. But I think John 15 tells us the only way we can do that is to be able to be daily and regularly abiding in Christ, just like David was. And that was the exercise he had to process what he perceived to be unjust or unfair.
0: That's good, Jeff, but it's hard. Because you've asked us to set aside our emotions. And that's so hard for us to do, to separate ourselves from our situation, from what we're going through, and to be able to look at it from a different perspective. But one of the things that I have learned through my life and through different situations is God gives us other people around us who are sometimes separate from that situation And they're there for a reason because they can look at it objectively, that they can help you to understand what might be going on. And there are so many situations in my life where as I went through it, I'm like, this has no purpose besides to make me angry. But other people are able to see, hey, maybe God's refining in this season, or maybe he's molding and shaping you or preparing you for this next thing that's going to be even harder than this. And so God gives us those other people in our lives to help us to see what he's trying to do. And so I'd encourage you right now, if you're one of these people that we've talked about that is struggling with this, don't lean on yourself and your own emotions and the thoughts here, but reach out to others. Talk with somebody else about this. Begin to build those connections with them where you start to let them into what's going on in your heart, what's going on in your head, and how you are filtering these different things in your life. Because God has not called us as Christians to be lone wolfing this. But he's given us one another, and that's a huge benefit. He also talks this chapter kind of transitions us into the Holy Spirit, which is another even more amazing thing than even the people that we have that we're walking in community with is the spirit that he gives us that intercedes on our behalf with groans that are greater than anything that we understand or can comprehend. And so we need to understand these things that God has given us to live in the fallen world and to work through the messy things that we have to work through. So as you, Think through this. If that's you, reach out to somebody. Talk with somebody else. I'm sure Jeff would love to talk with you. I would love to talk with you. Any of our leaders would love to talk with you about these different things that you're processing. And as you do that, hopefully, they can take you to God's Word in other places, answer those questions with you and alongside you as you start to unpack what God is really doing in your life, how He's revealing Himself to you, and how you can respond in obedience to the manner in which He's done that for you. So as you probably Process that today as you work through those things today. Know you are loved. You're-